want to share with you a little bit about my story about why I'm launching this podcast and why I have such a passion about recovery. I'm going to tell you a bit about the methods that I use to get sober, the different systems I use. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you didn't find it by accident. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe we were already meant to connect via this vehicle. I want to share with you my story, starting with my own recovery. I want to let you know that you are not alone. I want to let you know that the feelings you have are not just yours, that other people have felt this way and that a better life exists and it can start right now. And I'm doing this in hopes that it will inspire, motivate, and empower you to start right now. Maybe you're just curious about recovery. Maybe you're worried that you're drinking too much. Maybe you're in recovery and want a little more. Maybe you're coming out of rehab. Maybe you feel that you can't go to a meeting because you might see your neighbors, your clients, your patients, but you know you have a problem and you need a hand. Have you ever felt that you always have to look perfect? That your life, your career, your home, your kids, your marriage, that everything had to appear perfect? Do you feel even though you may look look fabulous on the outside, that your life looks perfect, that you have a beautiful home, but on the inside you're unraveling? Do you feel like you're in quicksand, like your legs weigh 700 pounds and you can't even get out of bed? I get it. I have felt this. Here's what you need to do. Go to chatwithruth.com and you can book a free 30-minute recovery call with me. I will show you three steps that you can take right now so you can start to feel better right now. You may have heard of them, maybe not. But when you're off that call, you're going to feel inspired to get moving wherever you are. So get on the phone, book your call with me online, and let's do it. So here's a little bit about me. I love quotes. And one of my favorites is by Oscar Wilde. And what he said was, I'm not young enough to know everything. And when I was in my 20s, I was so sure of the world. I knew how everything worked. I knew what was right. I knew what was wrong. I knew how things should be. And I knew how people should behave. And when they didn't, I did whatever it took. I manipulated, I sulked, anything I could to try to get people to behave in the way I thought they should behave. I also thought when I turned 20 that somebody was going to hand me a passbook or a key or something would be downloaded into my brain and I would have all the answers. Boom, instant adult. No more things to worry about, no more things to learn. You know, as I grew up, I had adults tell me, The only reason for things was because they were adults and that they said so. And they knew all the answers because they were adults. So I thought, well, great. As soon as I'm an adult, I'm going to get all these answers and then I'm going to have life figured out. Wouldn't that be awesome? So I arrived at 20 and no, I didn't have all the answers. So I got to 30. And by 30, I had finished a degree or two. I had been married and I'd had about one and a half kids. So I thought, you know what? 30 is a reasonable time to get this key book or this download or this information. So my 30th birthday came and went and, you know, you might have already guessed it, I did not get the answers, which left me in a bit of a quandary. But by the time, you know, I got into my 30s, we had moved several times. I married a salesman and I had three kids and there was probably a decade I didn't lift my head up. Although during that time, I thought that I needed uh, certain things to be happy. There was a certain type of house that I wanted. It wasn't fancy. I mean, really, it was just a house with everybody having a bedroom, a couple of bathrooms, so we didn't have to fight. You know, a yard that I could garden in and some friends. And I thought, you know, once I get this house, once I, I thought, once I get this house, I'm married, I have kids, well, that's it. That's all I need, and I'm going to be happy. And at one moment when I was in my mid-30s, I looked up and went, wait, I have all of this. I have the house. I'm married. I have the three kids. This is all I wanted. And I realized I was miserable. 
And somewhere along here, I realized that I was married to somebody who I really didn't want to be married to. But I didn't think I could go anywhere. I mean, what was I going to do? I had these kids. I had to take care of them. And then his job transferred us to the United States. So I came down here, and we knew no one. I had no control over the finances, and I really knew I was in trouble. My kids were heartbroken and homesick, and so was I. So when I got down here, it took about six months, but I took up drinking as a coping mechanism, took it up in earnest. And I had lost, at this point, I had lost my father and at some point would lose my brother to alcoholism. And I always swore that I would never drink or never drink to excess. But you know, life happens. The soccer mom world where you've got instead of water in your reusable water bottle, you've got some wine or you've got some vodka and orange juice in there. You go to Bunko, there's always drinking. I mean, the mom culture, especially in the suburbs, is very, you know, mommy needs wine. So I drank a lot of wine. I got really good at picking the bottles at Trader Joe's. I didn't stay with wine. I eventually just went to straight up whiskey. And I never was a flashy drunk. I never had a DUI. I never had serious consequences. I didn't embarrass myself at a party. But I had little things. There was a a night my husband had, the next morning he'd said, you know you were asleep on the bathroom floor with your head by the toilet. And I had no memory of this. And I said, oh, well, you know, I'd had the stomach flu and I was feeling really awful. My daughter had a conversation with me and asked about something we had talked about earlier in the week and I had no memory of it because I had been in a blackout. I drank too much, but I didn't know how to stop. I didn't know how to be happy. I didn't know how to live. And it's at that point I knew I needed help. And that point when I reached out. So I got sober 13 years ago in January. Now I started with meetings and then I used yoga. And it was a combination of meetings and a lot of yoga, and both of which I'm going to talk a lot more about later on, that got me sober and not only stopped me from drinking, but also taught me how to live, to be comfortable in the skin that I'm in, to be present in any given moment. And I think that was the biggest That was the biggest thing that was the hardest for me was being fully present or being in my skin hurt too much. I was in so much pain. I could not be present for myself, so I I would numb. And the greatest gift from the programs that I did, the reading that I did, the meditation and the yoga that I did is the ability to be present and to be okay if the present moment sucks. Because sometimes the present moment really does suck and really is awful. So some of the things I'm going to talk about in this podcast are yoga. And here's the thing about about yoga. I am a yoga teacher. And I know if you have an Instagram account and you Google the hashtag yoga, you're going to see a lot of really fit-looking, beautiful people with long hair, probably on beaches, doing complicated uh, poses at sunset. And I am here to tell you that while that is beautiful, it's not necessarily yoga, and it certainly isn't the type of yoga that I teach or the type of yoga that I practice. So if you were the type of person who hears the word yoga and then wants to run screaming, I'm asking you to stick around to suspend a little bit of disbelief because one of the things I am going to talk about is that this is not your stereotypical yoga or this is not the yoga that you're thinking of. Uh, one of the other things 
Another thing I'm going to talk a lot about in this podcast is the difference between pain and suffering. We often lump them together. They are two very different things. So this podcast, like I said at the beginning, I don't believe in coincidences. And if you're still listening, I really think that we were meant to connect. I want you to know that I really do have a passion to inspire, to motivate, and empower you to find your path to your best life. And I want you to know that if you're in pain right now, that pain is temporary. Suffering is optional, and there is a path through this. So I did say at the beginning of the podcast that I would give you something practical to use, and I'm going to. And one of the things that we often forget about is how important our breath is. And luckily for us, our brainstem controls our breath and it's an unconscious reflex. But when we take that unconscious reflex, which is breathing, and make it a conscious effort, we move from our brainstem into higher centers in our brain. And just by making that step, you're engaging new areas in your brain. And when you breathe slowly and deeply, you start to turn off the sympathetic nervous system, which is the one that has you ready to run, makes you feel stressed. It's the one where, you know, if a tiger shows up, you're ready to go. And it's the one we tend to live in, especially if we feel stressed or if we're in traffic. So by breathing slowly and deeply, you start to turn down that system and you start to turn up the parasympathetic nervous system. And that is the one that tells your body that it's safe, that it's okay to digest your food, that it's safe to sleep, it's okay to rest. They call it the rest and digest. So simply by inhaling to a count of four or five and then exhaling even longer to a count of six or seven or eight and the combination of slower breathing with a longer exhale than an inhale, after three conscious breaths like that, your body will start to calm down. And if you really want to feel this, place your hands on your belly and let it move in and out with your breath. So as you inhale, your belly should move out as your diaphragm moves down. And as you exhale, your belly should move in. So again, just by directing your attention to the movement of your diaphragm, to the length and the depth of your breath can bring you into the present moment. And the present moment is the only one that we have. And in the moment, absolutely right here in this moment right now, there is nothing else to do but be here and breathe. You know, fear and anxiety are when we're worried about how things are going to happen, when we're trying to control things, when we're thinking that our worry or our attention is going to somehow affect things outside of ourself. And the fact is, the only person that we have control over is ourself. So give yourself two minutes of mindful breathing. Set the timer on your phone, set the timer on your watch, sit in the driveway for a minute. Give yourself that gift. I'm Ruth Day, the recovery coach. I do know how this feels. I have been there and I can help you. Listen to this podcast. I will offer practical, easy tips that you can do every day. Or if you want to move a little faster, go to chatwithruth.com, get on my calendar, and we can have a 30-minute call where I will give you easy things to do 
to make your life feel a little more manageable. There is a way through this. I'm here for you, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. <laughs>